Welcome to the Living Epistle Podcast, the place where you will find biblical principles to help you live out your faith on a daily basis and to have a positive impact on the lives of others. So get ready for another powerful episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Hello, my name is Tony Miles, and welcome to this week's episode of Living Epistle Podcast. I had a chance to talk with a couple of my friends this week and just to check in with them and to see how things are going and just to see how life was going in general. And I just have to tell you that I was so encouraged when I got off the phone with each of them to whom I spoke this week. And I really began to think about it. I was just again, just I, I literally was just energized and excited and encouraged when I spoke to them. And so then it just really hit me how blessed I am to be surrounded by such an amazing circle of friends, starting with my wife, actually who I consider to be uh, just my best friend. And so um, let me just be clear, though, when I use the term friend, I do not use that term loosely. And so um, when I talk about my friends, it's uh, it's a pretty small group. And I remember when I was a child, my mom used to say this all the time when I was a child. She said, you will have a lot of acquaintances, but you will have very few friends. And I just I thought it odd because, you know, as a kid, you think everybody is your friend. But let me help put it into um, proper perspective. There is a huge difference between how the world views friendship and how God sees friendship. And let me give you a quick example. A friend in the context in which I'm using it, it is a noun, right? I'm talking about a person, place, or thing. A noun is the name of a person, place, or thing. So I'm talking about friend from the perspective or the part of speech of a noun. And so the Oxford English Dictionary described friend as, quote, a person whom one knows and with whom one has a strong bond of mutual affection. And typically it's exclusive of sexual or family relations, end quote. However, The same word friend in our modern society is um, used as a verb, and it means to add someone to a list of contacts associated with a social networking website. Right. So, again, just now how we use this term friend, we I'm going to friend you on Facebook. Right. To use it in that vernacular. But that's a verb. And so the second definition or the one I just read is definitely not the definition or the kind of friend that I'm talking about when I talk about friend. And so can you see even with that, how we use this word today so casually, how the word friend is so um, casually bantied about in our society today? However, the gap between what the world calls friend and what God calls friend or the biblical definition of friendship is about the size of the Grand Canyon. Right. And it's important that the Christians that as Christians, we have a biblical view and a biblical understanding of what friendship really is. So real friends, meaning biblical friends, are not in the same, uh, not in the relationship for what they can get out of it. Or, or nor do they abandon or betray friends in bad times. And biblical friends stick with you even when there is no perceived benefit in doing so, right? Basically, even in the midst of adversity, even when things aren't going great, even when there isn't anything that you can really give them, 
A true friend is sticking with you by your side. And of course, Proverbs, how could we not go to Proverbs when we talk about friendship? Proverbs 17, 17 reads, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And here the word brother doesn't mean a biological, only simply a sibling, a biological sibling, but brother in the more co- in the more broad context is brother or sister in Christ. So in other words, a friend is, is always loyal. A brother or sister in Christ is born to help in time of need, you know, for, for that, for that occasion, for that reason, they are here to be that loyal friend in time of need. But in the eyes of the world, friendship is a self-centered concept. What do I mean? It's all about me and my and I and what you can do for me. With the world's definition, people are really just acquaintances and they often think of each other as friends because they share common interests or enjoy others' company. You know what? While sharing common interests and enjoying other companies, uh, others' company is a good thing. At best, though, they make for a shallow basis for friendship. And what do I mean by that? You can share a common interest with people who wouldn't cross the street to help you in time of need. Or you can enjoy the company of people who don't care anything about you. And this is so true. And I thought of two examples um, that immediately popped into my head in, in thinking about this. I thought about at a sporting event, at a sporting event at the World Congress Center, or at I was going to say um, at at the Georgia Dome, which is no longer, but at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, right? You can be in an arena with 80,000 people. You're cheering your team on. Yeah, right. And you have that in common. And there's this camaraderie and all of that. But you see them outside of the um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, or outside of the World Congress Center, or outside of State Farm Arena, and those people would go to the other side of the street. They would have no no interest in helping you for the most part because there is nothing there. But I also thought about this in terms of our tech world and the tech society in which we live, right? We can be online, whether it's via a social media platform, whether it's a Zoom or a Teams meeting, or whether it's a video gaming system. Man, we're sharing this common interest. We're on this common platform. There's this this common bond. But do these people really care anything about you? And I think sometimes in this tech world, in this virtual world, we have a false sense of belonging. We have a false sense of security. We have a false sense of friendship because we do have something in common. We do have the virtual platform. We do have the social media platforms. We do have the video gaming platforms. But that's why it's important that we understand the biblical definition of friendship. In God's eyes, in God's eyes, friendship is an outwardly focused concept. In other words, it's about service to others rather than service to self. But even more than that, God has specific expectations of what a friend must be willing to do for a friend. These expectations include remaining loyal and helpful during good times and bad right? True friends are happy for you when you're happy. They're happy for you. They're happy with you. They rejoice with you. You know, they may have just gotten a new job, a new home, a new car, whatever that it is. A true friend rejoices with you and they're not sitting there looking at you with a little green eyed monster, right? And saying, why, why are they getting this when I, when I should have been getting it? No, that's not a friend. But also on the flip side of that, a true friend is there to cry with us and to weep with us during those times when life throws us a curveball and we need a shoulder to lean on. A true friend will just show up. You don't have to ask them. You don't have to invite them. You don't have to work things out. A true friend just shows up and they don't have to say much. They're just there. And them being there speaks volumes. So if your friends are only around 
when life is good and then they seem to be lost or scattered when things aren't going so great in your life. That may be a relationship that you at least at the very least want to take a second look at. Um, at, at the most, you may want to change your circle of friends. But anyway, so here it is. The other expectation is that true friends speak truth lovingly and tactfully, but they speak truth even when it hurts. And here's the thing about this. People say, well, I'm only speaking the truth. Yeah, but sometimes it's how you say it. And sometimes timing is everything. So even though it may be true, pray and ask God for the grace in terms of timing, in terms of when to say it, but also grace and tact and how you should say it. Because we do want people in our lives that when we ask for their opinion, we don't have to wonder, are they telling us the truth? We don't have to second guess them or think twice about what they're saying or think about their motives, because if they have proven themselves to be truthful and friendly and true friends, then we know that we can trust them and we can believe what they say, even when it doesn't feel good, because ultimately it will be a benefit to us. A true friend, God's um, God's requirements or God's expectations include demonstrating the kind of love that's described in First Corinthians 13. And for some of you who may not remember, I wanted to pause just for a moment to read a couple of verses. It is affectionately, as many of you know, known as the love chapter, right? First Corinthians chapter 13. But here is the crux of this is the heart of the matter here in First Corinthians chapter 13, verses four through eight. It reads, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity or injustice, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. And we usually hear that at weddings, right? But this is something that we can apply every day and certainly as it relates to our friendships and our relationships. So what what is this saying? What 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 13, 4 through 8 is saying is that when everything else fails, when everything else disappoints, when everything else is unsteady or shaky, when everything else comes to an end, there's love standing there, flat-footed and firm, waiting to embrace us and to hold us close saying, hey, It's going to be all right. And then finally, God's expectation of a friend is somebody who is willing to lay down one life should the need arise. That is the final expectation that's set forth in John chapter 15, verse 13. It is the ultimate test of biblical friendship. And who better than Jesus Christ himself to be the one to say this in John 15, 13? This is Jesus. And he's talking to his disciples and he says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Here's my question. Are the people in your life, are the people in my life who we call friends willing to drop everything and go into battle with us? Are they willing to be inconvenienced? Are they willing to take a stand even when it's unpopular and may cost them something? Are they willing to do it? And it's not saying that we're going out and we're looking, we're looking for a fight or we're looking for trouble, but sometimes trouble comes. Sometimes life happens and it may not necessarily be a physical fight. It may be a battle in the spirit. It may be a battle that somebody's going through in their bodies. It may be a battle that somebody's going through in their family. Whatever the battle is, do you have people in your life? Do I have people in my life? And I know the answer for me is yes, who would drop everything and come and take a stand with me. You see, in John 15, 13, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to be good friends of one another. He knows that his time on earth is coming to an end. 
And so now what he's instructing them to do is how to live this life, how to live this walk, how to get the most out of all the things that he's been teaching them. And at the end of the day, a friend is someone who does everything he or she can to encourage, to push, to challenge, to inspire us, to fulfill our God-given assignment. And they are happy for us when we have successes and they are sad for us and they hurt with us when we hurt, right? But a true friend, a true friend pushes, challenges and expires and inspires us to die empty. What do I mean by that? A true friend doesn't want us to take anything to the grave that God has placed inside of us and has intended for us to depart and to put out and to pour out while we're here on the earth. Right. That's what a true friend is. A true friend isn't jealous of our gifts. A true friend isn't jealous of my gift or your gift. A true friend isn't jealous of the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. But in fact, a true friend is standing on the sidelines, cheering us on, saying, yeah, go get it. And here's the other thing. A true friend is there to kick us in the pants when we are being slothful or when we're being lazy or when we're being afraid or when we're being fearful and we're not pursuing those things that we know that God has placed in us. A true friend is there to say, come on, dude. Come on, lady. I know you can do this. And so. Again, that's what Jesus was doing with his disciples as he was preparing them to be friends and preparing them to be able to go and to stand. And so now I would say it would be a great time to just check your circle. Again, what got me thinking about this was, um, again, I just had conversations with a couple of people that I hadn't spoken to in a couple of weeks. And so we just um, touched base and I was just saying, Lord, I'm so blessed to have these people in my lives to encourage, to inspire, to challenge. And so what I would do is say, check your circle. Think about the people you have considered friends over the course of your lifetime. And I was talking with a friend of mine, one of the friends I talked to this week, and he was just saying that somebody he had known for 50 years, five zero, 50 years. And now he finds that there's um, um, it's not the same relationship that it was. But again, are some of the people in our lives in for a reason, a season or a lifetime? And only God knows. But again, I say grieve the loss. But now ask yourself, how many of the people that are we consider friends in our lives meet those expectations that we just discussed and know this, know this. It's okay to do some pruning. You know what? The pruning process is not fun. It's not um, an enjoyable process. But here at the end of the day, the pruning process helps us to be more fruitful in what God is calling us to do. And so I'll close with this verse later on again from John chapter 15. Just a couple of more verses down. John chapter 15, verse six. And Jesus is talking and Jesus is again saying to the disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. And so, family, I just want to encourage you, check your circle. Are they helping you to produce fruit? If not, it's okay to do some pruning so that you can bear much fruit because God has appointed you. God has appointed me so that we can go and bear fruit and then we can bring others along to help them to become fruitful. That is our desire. And again, I say a friend encourages us to die empty. Don't die taking anything to the grave that God has deposited in you and God has deposited in me and wants us to get out so that we can bear much fruit and that our fruit shall remain. Remember, family, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. This is Tony Miles. 
Thanks for listening. Now go and be a living epistle. Join us again next week for another episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Music for Living Epistle Podcast is provided by audionautics.com.